Praise God and welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministry. So delighted to have you here uh, as we partake in God's word. And before we get into scripture, let's pray. Dear God, we just praise your most magnificent name, Lord, and I thank you for this ability to be able to get together and partake in your word today, Lord God. I pray that you would prepare the hearts and the minds and the spirits of everyone that is listening, Lord God, so that these words that come forward would get deeply planted within our spirits and come bubbling up whenever we need them, Lord God. Lord, I ask that these words that come forth will be your words, Lord, and that they will be used for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Well, praise God and welcome again to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. If you don't have your Bible, take a moment and pause this message and go grab a Bible and uh, maybe a highlighter and a pen and maybe even a, a piece of paper to take some notes on so that you can see for yourself what the Word of God has to say. And once you grab all those things, then come on back and resume this message. Um, everything that we talk about in this ministry, we always reference scripture, so it's always a good idea to, to have your Bibles uh, to have your Bibles with you as we dive into scripture. So getting started here, we're going to go to the book of 1 Samuel, and we're going to go to chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we're going to go to start in verse number 1. So that's 1 Samuel 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was laying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out into the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called to Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Underline that in verse 9, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Verse 10, Now the Lord came and stood and called as that other time, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Underline that there if you don't have it, underline or highlight it. Speak, for your, uh, uh, Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Today I want to talk about saying yes to God, all right? us being able to say yes to God. And what we see here is that Samuel heard somebody calling him multiple times and he thought that it was Eli, but Eli was saying, no, that wasn't me. And once Eli figured out that, oh, wait a minute, this must be God calling you. He told Samuel, when you hear that, go to God and tell him to that, that you're here, that you're, you're here to listen, that, that you, you want to hear from him uh, and, and that you are there to serve him. And so Samuel spoke to, to God and said, speak for your servant hears. Many times as Christians, we hear God calling out to us, but sometimes we don't even know that it's him or we do know it's him and we just don't want to respond because we're worried about what he what he has to say. We don't always answer him and we've asked God for all these signs and confirmations, but still 
We don't want to say yes to what he's telling us to do. Or we don't want to respond to him calling. We don't want to say to him, yes, Lord, I'm here. Speak because your servant is here here to listen, Lord. Talk to me, God, because I want to hear from you. I want to know what it is you're trying to tell me. Oftentimes, we may not say yes to, 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 to him, even though we're asking for those signs. Some reasons that we don't want to say yes to God is because we want to hurry up and get out of the situation that we're in. And what we fail to realize oftentimes is that the reason why we are in these situations for so long, it could be one of two reasons. It could be one, we're not doing something that God is calling us to do or we're doing something that God is telling us not to do. Or it could simply be that God just isn't ready for us to move on. We, we just haven't built up that, 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 that spiritual strength yet and that spiritual maturity to move on from that situation. We oftentimes don't think about, well, what is it, God, that you are trying to teach me while, while, I, while I am in this moment? And we don't go to God and ask him and we don't say yes to him because his yes to us may very well be, you need to stay here a little bit longer. I need you here in this place. I know you don't like this place. I know you might not like the people that are around you and, and the situation that you're in, but I need you to be here. I need you to stay in this moment because I'm trying to prepare something bigger for you and I'm not ready for you to see what that bigger thing is. You just need to trust me and stay where you are. We don't realize that being in those situations that the struggles that we have brings us spiritual strength. It strengthens our resolve. It allows us to be able to stand firm when the devil attacks us. It allows us to, to stick to our guns and stick to scripture when those things start to get challenged. We may not say yes to God either because we feel like that we have a better way or a faster way of doing things. Now, we all heard and we, and we all know that the shortest distance between two points is a, straight, is a straight line. God doesn't always take you the shortest route to get to where you want to be. He will take you roundabout ways at time because on, the, on, on, on those journeys there, there's something or someone that you might have to pick up or drop off along the way. It's no different if you're traveling uh, by airplane. You know, if you're going coast to coast, sometimes you might have a layover uh, before before you get to your destination. If you can't find a direct flight. Well, God doesn't always give us a direct flight from where we are now to our destination that he has for us. He may drop us off in another city, if you will, and say, I'm putting you here because I need you to let go of something that you're holding on to. I need you to let go of someone that you're holding on to, or I need you to pick someone up that's going to be along this journey because they are going to be there to help support you and guide you through this journey. Or, 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 or I need you to pick, pick somebody up on this journey because you are going to be in their life to help guide and support them on their particular journey. And so we don't always say yes to God because we just want to hurry up and get to where it is that he wants us to be. Samuel finally knew what it was God when God when it was, that it was God calling him. And when he did, in essence, he said yes by saying, speak for your servant hears. Picking up in verse 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. Underline that he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or, or, or offering forever. All right. So what's happening here is. Samuel is telling, uh, uh, excuse me, God is telling uh, Samuel that he has judgment against Eli because of the way his sons were acting. 
And if you read in pre preceding um, chapters there, you can see some of the things that Eli's son had done and he left those things unchecked and how he didn't honor the sacrifice and, and the process of sacrificing at that time and would hold on uh, uh, to the things for themselves instead of following the process. And, and, and part of that process was uh, uh, that that fat was going to be burned off the meat and then what was left would be taken over to the priest. And and what Eli's sons had done is they would threaten the cooks and, and tell the cook, well, give me the, the, the meat before you burn everything off because they would and say the priest is only going to accept from you the 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 the, the whole um, the entire part of the meat without the fat burnt off. And if the servant said, "Well, no," in essence, that's not what it's supposed to be. I have to burn the fat first, and then you take what's left. Eli's sons then threatened uh, threatened the um, uh, threatened the cook there, and there were some other things that they had done too that that was really vile uh, and everything. And so that's why God is ha has this judgment coming coming against them. But Eli didn't restrain his 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 sons. He let them continue on this way and so now he's being punished for this saying yes to God at times means that we will have to say no to others which may actually put us at odds with them see if Eli would have said yes to God and would address the things with his sons that probably would have put him at odds with him but see oftentimes what we do as children of God is that we don't want to say yes to God because we are worried about how a relationship might be damaged uh, uh, with someone instead of just putting the relationship in God's hands. If you put that relationship with God's hands, whatever is going to happen is going to be is going to be something that's going to glorify God. And maybe that relationship that you have with that individual is the thing that you need to let go. That could be the yes that God is looking for you to say is that when you say yes to him, that you're going to let that relationship go, that you're going to have to let that person walk out of your life, that you're you, 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 you as much as you might miss them and as much as you might love them, that, that they are going to have to go a different a different route because God is not intending for intending for them to be on the same journey as you. So you have to be willing to say yes to God. So Eli didn't address these issues with his sons because he didn't want to be at odds with him more, more than likely. So now he has his judgment being poured out on him. Saying yes to God also means that we may need to do some things that just make absolutely no sense whatsoever. Turn to the book of Genesis and we're going to go to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse number 3. Genesis 6 verse number 3. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterwards when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men of uh, those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness, wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom, whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have, that I have made them. Now, if you notice a couple of things here in these verses, um, 
especially there in verse three, you see where it says that um, his days shall be 120 years. If you look back in Genesis five, there's a rundown of several people and how old they were at the time uh, with Methuselah being the oldest at, I think, 969 years old. These people back then were living for hundreds and hundreds of years. Well, what happened is, is that all that as long as they were living and sin started to spread, God is saying now, you know what? I can't look at the, on this sin. I can't stand how this sin is covering the earth. Mankind's heart is evil. Um, so therefore, I'm going to have to shorten their days. And they've drastically got reduced from hundreds of years down to 120 years. All right. If we don't say yes to God, we run the risk of cutting our lives even shorter than what we're intended to be. Right. And now and, and I won't get into this, this to, to, to this because this is a whole uh, a whole sermon in of itself talking about uh, repentance and, 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 and grace and, and things of that nature. But see, if you're living in a life of sin, all right, you run the risk of having your life cut short. Yes. When you've accepted Jesus Christ and as your Lord and Savior, and if you believe that in your heart that he died for he, he, he died and rose again on the third day and that he's the son of God. If you believe all those things in your heart, as the word of God says, according to scripture, you are saved. So, yes, that does mean that being saved, that you then go into heaven. But what you do here on this earth has plays a role into the type of uh, uh, rewards that you get in heaven that Jesus talked about. All right. And, and so while we're on this earth, we can't just be living this sinful life. And, and people will try to say that, well, being under God's grace means that he's already forgiven us. And I never have to repent again. Uh, I, I don't ever have to ask for forgiveness again because he's already done. He's already done it. And what they missed, the, the point is that, no, that is not the case. Jesus' death and resurrection simply means that you have somewhere to go when you slip up and stumble. It doesn't mean that when you stumble, you just constantly just say, oh, I just ignored it. God already forgive me. God already forgive me. Because the word of God says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. So you have to confess your sins and ask for that, ask for that forgiveness. So saying yes to God means that we also turn our lives around. But if we say no, we run the risk of cutting our lives drastically short. Verse number eight. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Underline verse number eight there. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. One of the things we have to always ask ourselves is when God is, pours out his wrath, will we, be, will we be one of the ones that, who found favor in his eyes? Okay? If we say yes, then we find favor in God's eyes. Verse nine, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, per perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. You look around current events that are happening today. Look at the increased unrest that's happening around the world. Look at how much people have pushed God out of the picture. Look at how much people have pushed God even out of churches. All right. Even, even churches, uh, uh, some that are delivering a watered down message because they're so afraid of offending the, the, the congregation instead of worrying about, well, what, what happens if I actually offend God by not preaching his uncompromised word? All right. Or, or churches that are involved in worldly uh, activities and, and, and they, and they put a, um, 
they put a guise over it and try to twist it into something that, that that's supposed to be church-like, you know. Uh, depending on what time you're listening to this message, uh, the coming up here in, in a few days is going to be Halloween. And, and you see so many churches that put a twist on Hall- Halloween celebrations and trying to say, well, this isn't trick-or-treat like Halloween. We do trunk-or-treat, that you can dress up like a, a prophet and, and, and it's okay and not understanding what, what, what the whole the whole uh, history of Halloween, what that's all about. And I'm not going to get into that because that's a whole nother sermon and, and we've definitely have preached sermons on that. But but this is how the world starts to become corrupt. And let's look at how God responds to this. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Verse 14, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. It's width 50 cubits and it's height 30 cubits. Now, if you do some translations there for, 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 for cubits, you, you get a structure that's roughly 450 feet long, 75 feet wide and about 45 feet high. So this is a pretty big, a, a pretty big structure of the ark. Verse 16, you shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark. You, your sons, your wife, and your son's wives with you. Underline all of verse 18 there. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark. You, your sons, your wife, your son's wives with you and every living thing of all flesh. You shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Underline that male and female of the birds of uh, uh, excuse me, of the birds after their kind of animals after their kind and of every creeping thing on the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you uh, to you to keep them alive. You shall take for yourself all food that is eaten and you shall gather it to yourself and it shall be food for you and for them. So notice something here. okay, about what happens when we say yes to God. So you remember I mentioned that sometimes we may have to do things that make absolutely no sense to us when we say yes to God. And this is an example of that. God is telling Noah here that he's going to make flood the earth. Now, if you read in previous scriptures in Genesis, it talks about how that there was no rain back in those days and, and that there was a mist that came up and the mist was what uh, watered the earth. So you could imagine here that, that Noah is probably thinking to himself, well, flood waters, but how? Like, 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 what, what's a flood? How, how is this going to happen? And God told him to build this boat. Okay, he told him to build this ark to save him and his family and the animals on the on the earth. All right. God gave Noah a warning of what was coming. But sometimes the warnings may not make sense in the moment. And in this case, with the rain, it didn't make sense. God also then didn't tell didn't tell Noah exactly how to build the ark or how to put the pieces together. He just told him about the structure. He told him, here's how long it's going to be. He told him that it was going to have different, uh, uh, different decks. There's going to be three decks, but he didn't tell them, how are you going to fasten the pieces together? How are you going to, where, where are you going to find the, 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 the supplies to be able to put all this thing to, to put this thing together? God also told Noah that the arm, the animals will come to him. 
He didn't tell Noah to actually go out and how to get the animals. He just said, the animals will come to you. See, when God tells us some things, the reason why we don't say yes at times is because we want him to give us every single little detail and we don't trust whatever it is that God put in us to get the job done. Whatever God asks you to do, understand that you have something in you that's going to allow you to be able to do that. There's something in you that God put in you that makes you different from everyone else. How many teachers are there around the world? Every single teacher, God put something different inside of them that they can use and should be using to glorify him. You might be a child of God working in a public school district. Just because you have other teachers working in that public school doesn't mean that they are going to touch the kids the same way that you will. See, you'll be able to touch them in a way where it's going to point them towards God, where, where, where how you treat them is something that they're going to remember when, when, when they get older. That they're going to, they may not know that you're a Christian, but they'll feel something about you and know that something's different about you. And, and you'll be able to touch the lives of the parents and, and other teachers in, in, in that school. It doesn't matter what it is that you do. You have something that is in you that God specifically put in you. God put something specific in Noah to where only, the only thing he had to do was to tell Noah, hey, here's a warning, a flood's coming, build an ark, use these materials, and get these animals and your family into the ark because the flood's coming. He didn't give them every single little intricate detail, all right? Sometimes God might ask us to do things that seem mind-boggling, like in this case with Noah, thinking of the, that, that, that the earth is going to be flooded. That would have been mind-boggling to him because it never rained. But what we need to make sure that we do is we just say, yes, God, I will be obedient to that. And I will just go ahead and do it. And verse number 22 there, thus Noah did according to all God commanded him. So he did. Noah was obedient to that calling by saying yes to God, by building the ark, and then by proceeding uh, later on in the scriptures to, 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 to pull his family in, to pull the animals in, to shut the ark up, and, and then it rained 40 days and 40 nights, and we know the rest of the story after that, all right? So saying, the reason we say no to God sometimes is because he'll give us a warning that might not make sense, or he'll ask us to do something that might make, not make sense, or wondering, like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to accomplish this. I... I I don't know why would I, I would go look for another job, Lord, when I don't even I, I don't even think that I'm going to get it. Why would I do that, God? Why would I do this? Why? I don't think I have it in me. You have it in you. You've got to start looking at yourself the way God looks at you. And speaking of that and understanding that God looks at us differently than we look at ourselves. Let's look at um, let's go to the book of Luke and we're going to look at Mary. So go to Luke chapter one. And we're going to start in verse number 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at, the, at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this is. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. See, Mary was shocked because she's trying to figure out how is it that she's deemed blessed among women? How is it that, that, that she found favor in God's eyes? Well, the way we find favor in God's eyes is by being obedient, by saying yes to him. 
And understand that when you find favor in God's eyes, there are things that you will get. There are blessings you will receive. There will be accomplishments that, that, that will happen to you. Promotions on the job. All sorts of things that start to work out for your benefit when God, when you find favor in God's eyes. And what we have to start learning what to, to, to do is to, to look at ourselves the way God looks at us. Remember back when David was anointed as king, when he was tending to the animals in the field as a shepherd. He was anointed as king because God says he didn't look at his stature. He didn't look at his outward appearance. He didn't look at his intelligence. He looked at what is in his heart. And God looks at our hearts and that's how he calls us. So when he says, calls you and says something for you to do, just say yes and know that God is calling you because there's something in your heart that he sees and that he knows that, 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 that you have what it takes to do what he's calling you to do. Don't question it. Don't start looking at yourself and saying, no, I'm not good enough or, or start questioning God and saying, God, why me? Like, like, why, why did you pick me? Now, I know sometimes as children of God, we do, we, we do ask that question. Like, Lord, out of all the people, why did you choose me to do this? And God sometimes won't even answer you. He won't even tell you why, because God doesn't always play to our insecurities. He calls you at times because it's simple the fact that he has a purpose for you. You are one of his children and you are favored among every among everyone else. OK. So if we don't understand how God sees us, we can actually end up saying no to God because we think less of ourselves than what God thinks of us. Verse number 30 again. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God and behold, you shall conceive and you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and he shall be uh, he shall be called. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Underline that of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Okay, so now we see Mary here with some doubt. The angel told her what was going to happen. The angel also told her what? You found favor in God's eyes. Blessed are you among women. Now listen about that whole blessed are you among women. Understand something, saints of God. That does not mean that Mary is some sort of deity that we should be praying to. She is not somebody that we are supposed to be going to and asking her to 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 hear our prayers and make sure that God hears our prayers. And there's many out there that will call themselves Christians and they will believe that and they will start citing prayers and saying, uh, uh, Mary, blessed thou are, are among women, you know, talking about Mary, hear our prayers. No, no, no. First and foremost, Mary is dead and gone. She cannot hear you. She's in heaven, enjoying her time in heaven. She cannot hear you. And if you are a Christian, which means a follower of Christ, you follow Christ's example of praying. And nowhere did he ever instruct us to pray to another human being, nor to an angel. So if you hear somebody ever say that they are a Christian, but they pray to Mary, the reality of the saints of God, that's not a Christian. Not my words. Look at what the word of God says. Look at exactly what Jesus talked about. All right. We don't pray to angels. We don't pray to people. We don't. It, it doesn't matter how much they're mentioned in, in the Bible. And, and there's, there's versions of, of Christianity where they, they, all they do is study the, the, the writings of Paul. And, and, and as an awesome individual as Paul was, he is not Jesus Christ. Nothing he said goes against what Jesus taught. 
Okay. Uh, and I won't get into that because that's a whole nother sermon in and of itself, even, even then. Uh, uh, but, but part of saying yes to God might mean that when you hear somebody falsely saying they're a Christian, but you know that they pray to Mary, saying yes to God might be you having to minister to that person and share with them what the word of God says about being a Christian and what that really, really means and what a follower of Christ really, really means. Right. Um, Verse number 34 again, we see Mary is showing some doubt. There, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered her and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Underline that. This is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Double highlight, underline, circle it, uh, whatever it can to bring you, whatever you can do to bring your eyes to that scripture. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. So we see that. A few things are happening there. The angel comes and talks to Mary and says, hey, here's what's going to happen. And by the way, you're, fa you're favored among, uh, uh, you found favor in God's eyes. And so here's what's going to come. And this is what's going to happen. So he gave her some instructions on what God is going to do. She then started doubting, saying that, I don't know a man, so how is this going to happen? And then Gabriel gave her some more information about what was going to happen and, and, and gave her some insurance there by saying in verse 37 that with God, nothing is impossible. And then Mary said, okay, now she submitted, now she believed, and she said, okay, let it be according to, to your word. Now, the dangerous thing that we run into at times as, as children of God is that we can cast some doubt on what God is going to do and forget the fact that we're favored and it could keep us from getting into where it is that God wants us to be. Remember the Israelites, when they were spying out the land of Canaan, they had doubt after the spies went out and they saw all of the soldiers that were there and they said, uh, uh, we were grasshoppers as a, a, in our own eyes. Therefore, they were we were as grasshoppers to them. And that's insane because we thought so little of ourselves. We know that they think little of us, too. All right. And, and, and if we're not careful as children of God, we start casting that doubt that prevents us from also saying yes, because we're trying to figure out how is God going to make this thing happen? And all God is simply saying is I'm going to do it. OK, the angel told Mary here. Is the power of the Holy Spirit. Is going to cause all of this to happen. And yes, you will have a son. He will be called the son of God. And what we have to recognize in our lives that. Part of saying yes to God is just recognizing that God is all powerful. And if he said he's going to do something, he is going to do it. There's no need for us to try to understand how, because if we knew how, then we would go ahead and do it. But see, when God gives us something to do, he doesn't tell us the how because he wants us to have faith in him. He wants us to trust him. And he also knows all sorts of circumstances and barriers that are going to be in our way that only he can get us through. And if we try to do it in and of ourselves, we're going to make ourselves even worse off than what, than what we are. So Gabriel told uh, Mary what was going to happen, but she didn't believe it at first. All right. We may say no because we don't understand why God chose us, but we must remember that with God, nothing will be impossible as we saw in verse 31. This means that God does things in unnatural ways because he does them supernaturally. Okay. 
he does them supernaturally, right? And if you notice there, another supernatural piece that happened in there was the fact that um, that Elizabeth, Elizabeth, who was considered barren, was also pregnant. And she was six months into her pregnancy. So that was a sign to Mary that, yeah, Mary, by the way, Elizabeth over here that was not going to have kids. She was called barren. She's in her old age. By the way, she's six months pregnant. Because with God, she was able to get pregnant at her age. And she's six months in. With God, you are going to give birth to the son of to the to the son of God, to the savior of all of mankind. All right. God does not do things in a natural way. He does them in a supernatural way. Knowing this should help us to say yes more often. Right. Knowing this should help us to say yes more often. You want that job that you think that you're not qualified for? God will allow you to have it if it's within his will in a supernatural way. You want that house? You want that promotion? You want that car? All of those things can happen if you say yes to God and let him make them happen in a supernatural way. I can keep you here for hours and hours and hours with different examples of how God worked in my life in a supernatural manner. And things that I didn't think I was ever going to, 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 to overcome or things where I didn't think I was going to get that blessing that it just happened. And, 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 I, and every time God does that, it's amazing. And it's never because I doubt God. All right. And, and we're all, if we're being honest about things, right, this times when doubt will set in. But you got to push that doubt out. You got to rebuke that doubt in the name of Jesus and replace it with a scripture like verse 37 for God. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And he amazes me because it's how he gets me through the situation. It's how he gets me the blessing. And he never does it the same way twice. All right. He does it in different ways. And that's what ends up amazing me. And you just step back and you just say, only God could have done that. Only God could have allowed Elizabeth to be pregnant. Only God could have allowed uh, Mary to become pregnant, pregnant and give birth to the son of God. And we know what, what happened with Jesus when, when she was pregnant, he was born and King Herod went to, to look for, uh, wanted to kill, wanted to kill him and everything like that. And how God was able to maneuver Mary and Joseph and Jesus around to be able to escape all of that. So even then you can see how God orchestrated all of that. So that should tell us that when God does something supernaturally, he will also protect you in a supernatural way, too. He will be able to orchestrate all of your movements so that you can then come into into his fullness. Last few scriptures here that we're going to look at is another example of, uh, of saying yes and why we need to say yes. Turn to the book of Acts and we're going to go to Acts chapter nine. Acts chapter nine, and we're going to start in verse number 10. Acts chapter nine, verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias and to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord, just like with Samuel. All right. God called him and he answered. Okay. Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So here we see Ananias expressing some fear. So he answered God. God gave him what he needed to do, told him what he was going to do. 
And then now he's like, ooh, wait a second, though. You want me to go talk to who? Like, I, I, I've heard all of this about Saul. You want me to talk to who? Funny thing is, Ananias said he heard about Saul. He never met Saul. God might be calling you into a situation and the people that have uh, uh, um, that might be involved in that situation may be telling you things that they have heard or you may have heard things about that situation, but it doesn't mean that it's true. All right. Now we know what happens and we'll, we'll, we'll continue to look at scripture here. But you can see Ananias was afraid, not because he met Saul, but because of what others have said. Another reason we don't say yes is because we have fear. We fear we have fear that something bad might happen to us and forget that the spirit of God that is in us is greater than any demonic force that's in the world. The spirit of God is in us is great. And, and it says in one John four that, 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 that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. In other words, the spirit of God that's in us is greater than any demonic spirit that's out there is it, more powerful than Satan and his demons. All of them combined. God's spirit that is in us is more powerful than that. So we don't need to fear. Verse 15. Well, let's do verse 14 again. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how uh, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went, in, uh, went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. All right? And we know how Saul ends up turning into Paul and, and some of the things that, that, that he had done. All right. But you see there, the obedience of Ananias is what allowed Saul to receive his sight. Okay, Ananias being obedient to what the, to, to the vision that he received and going to Saul and laying his hands on him, then allowed those scales to come off of Saul's eyes so that he can actually have his sight restored. This shows that when we say yes to God, there are impacts to others who will come across our path. Right. There's an impact to others who come across our path when we say yes. Just like if we say no, that is going to have an impact on others that are around us or others that may come across our path. So it's important for us to be able to say yes. God is the master planner. He knows every outcome of every decision. He also knows every dependency of every action. You never know how saying yes to God could speed up the delivery of a blessing to someone else. Okay? You never know. You never know how you following the path that God laid out for you, how that's going to speed up a blessing to someone else. And you never know how someone else saying yes to God will speed up a blessing for you. Because remember now, God doesn't override our free will. We have free will to choose our course of, uh, of um, our course in life. Whatever that path might be, we have the option to choose which path we want to go down. And the path that we go down is dependent on the path that others go down. And, and the path others go down is dependent on the path that we go down. You never know how someone halfway around the world, their action may impact something that's happening with you. And if you don't, and, and if you don't believe that, you could just look at global events. Look back in 2020 when COVID hit. 
how it shut down the world's economy and how it had an impact on travel. And, and even now, here we are in 2023 and employers are still struggling with finding people to come to work or, or still struggling to fill vacant positions. We see the wars and the, and the, and the, and the terror attacks that are happening in, in, in other countries and how that then starts to have an impact on, on, on the home front here, right? We see the things that are happening in, in Israel and with, with, with Hamas attacking Israel. And now we have, we, we have troops in the U.S. now that are, that are, that have been told to be ready to deploy. And, and we see how the movements of ships are, are being sent into those regions for, for, for support. So you never know just how one little decision in your life or in someone else's life is going to have an impact on you. So you want to be able to say yes to God. Going back earlier, uh, uh, talking about how Eli didn't address the things with his, with, with his sons. If you choose not to speak up for God when he's telling you to speak up, you never know how that might hinder that individual from receiving a blessing. Now, God calls out to that person, and if they respond, they will respond. But you also don't want to be standing in front of God and, and, and having God tell you, you know, you were the reason why so-and-so didn't do this, this, and this, because I told you to go here. I told you to say this, and you didn't do it, and therefore, this is what happened in their life. See, Ananias went anyway. Ananias went anyway. He heard, he knew about Saul's reputation, and he just went ahead and said, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Okay, and then again, we know what happened with, with, with Saul and how he became Paul and a powerful man in the Bible that he became. So why is it important to say yes? It's important to say yes because your yes will not only benefit you, but it will benefit those that are around you, especially those that are closest to you. I could come up with many examples in my life where, where, in my life where I've done things and I was just obedient to God, and, and later on I find out how that individual was blessed by something that, 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 I, that I didn't want to do, or, or something I didn't want to say or, or, or I wanted to say, it, but I knew that the response was not going to be one that was going to uh, um, make the relationship closer, that I had to say something that was like, oh, God, this is this person is, is not going to feel good. They're going to be angry. They're going to be upset. And I would say those things. And in the moment at times, I would catch some backlash from them over it. And then later on, come to find out that, wow, that was that that was the best thing anything everyone anyone could ever said to me. Oh, I'm so glad that you said this. I'm so glad that you did this. And, and there's been times when God has put that person back in my life and that individual share. I remember something you said 10 years ago, and I have never forgotten it to this day. All right. Everything you do has an impact on others. Everything you say has an impact on others. So make sure you say yes to God. It'll benefit you. It'll benefit those around you. It'll strength. It'll lengthen your days. As we saw how uh, days got, have gotten shorter because of all the evil, evil in the world. It'll bless others. It'll help others b become closer to God. And the most important thing is that when you say yes to God, he ends up being glorified through you. And that's ultimately what we're all here for. It's to bring glory and honor to God in everything that we do. It doesn't matter what you do, whether you're a teacher or you're a mechanic or you're a nurse or you're an office worker or you work in the mailroom. Whatever it is, if you're a farmer, whatever it is that you do, we are here to do it to glorify and honor God and to bring and, and to point people to him. But to do that, that requires us to say yes to God. Well, praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And if it was, think about passing it on to others. You can find us at Genesis1.sermon.net and Genesis1 is one word. Uh, and on that page, you will find links to all of our sermons. And if you click the subscribe button, you'll be notified anytime new content is posted. 
We also have a YouTube channel, Genesis One Christian Ministries. If you search us on YouTube, you'll be able to find these videos uh, posted on there if you're browsing browsing through YouTube. And we have uh, apps on the Apple Play, uh, Apple App Store, excuse me, and the Google Play Store. And everything is for free. We just want to spread the word of God uh, to everyone. And lastly, if you're ever in the Salem, Oregon area, uh, come by Candelaria Terrace at 2651 Commercial Street Southeast and come by and enjoy one of our live services. We are holding services uh, starting at 1030 uh, in the morning. So we would love to have you and, and, uh, and share the word of God with you. So if you're in the Salem, Oregon area, again, services 1030 at 2651 Commercial, Commercial Street, excuse me, Southeast. Well, praise God again. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And before we close, let's pray. Lord God, I just want to thank you for the words that came forward. Lord God, I just want to thank you for your word in and of itself, Lord God, because your word blesses us in so many different ways. And it, it teaches us about you, Lord God, and it helps to bring, bring our relationship with you even closer, Lord God. I pray for everyone that has heard this message, Lord, and I ask that you would help them to be able to say yes to you no matter what it is that's going on through their head, Lord God. If they're struggling with saying yes, I pray, Lord, that you would bring to remembrance all the times that you were with them, Lord God, so that they can have faith, continued faith in you and continued strength and renewed strength in you and to follow you, Lord God, no matter what. I pray, Lord God, that you would bless everyone that has heard this message, Lord, and that you would put us in a place to be able to share what we've heard today with others so that they may become blessed and that they may be able to walk and have a relationship with you. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God again. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And I pray that you go in his peace uh, and that you will remember that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Be blessed.